It's time for Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. And now, shocking the world like Danny Manning and the Miracles, it's your hosts, Brian Gill and Tobin Hodges. Welcome into Spread the Floor. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by my incredible co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good tonight. Good. Good. Yes. We're we're it's slowly but surely we're uh, we're creeping towards actually good, not just good yeah. for pandemic, right? Yeah. Also, slowly but surely, it seems like my jobs are saying, "Okay, let's start putting some work on your plate." And so that's mm-hmm. like, so it's like good, but also like, okay, wait, hold on, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, good. For those of you that don't know, which is everybody, pretty much, Tobin has nineteen jobs, <laughs> so they're and they're all full time too. It's not like. Uh, it's not like you're piecing together gigs. Yeah. To, uh, I, I almost to wish I could do that. Meet. I yeah. wish I could do that instead. <laughs> <laughs> Tobin is the hardest working man in showbiz, so um, I'm, I'm glad we could carve out a couple hours to talk tonight. We saw each other today, too. We did, yeah. It was, was nice. it was from a distance, safely and socially distant. So, But yeah, we did see each other today. It was nice. That's good. That's good. Uh, if you like listening to this show uh, and you're not a listener to Mad About Movies, Tobin and I are doing a, a VIP episode. We'll record that after we do this. Um, we're going to talk about one of our favorite artists, uh, musicians, and music and stuff like that. So uh, if you're a, a Mad About Movies listener, you have that to look forward to later this week. If you're not, uh, come over and give us a try uh, at Mad About Movies and, and get on the VIP page. And uh, we have some extra content coming your direction. The most important thing, Tobin, we're going to talk Michael Jordan, obviously, for the bulk of this episode. That's what we're, we're here to do, I guess. This is our life now, is just talking about Michael Jordan. I'm okay and with And I'm it. okay with that. Yep. Uh, I, have no, I have no qualms about that whatsoever. But it does sound like we are, we are, we are gearing up, we are heading towards uh, a return to action for the NBA. Yeah, and it feels like it came out of nowhere in a mm. way, because like I feel like when we talked about this last week, we we're like, I don't know, it may not ever happen. And then this, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, this week, there's been a lot of like momentum and traction with it, and to the point where it's like, you know, last week we were talking about how we're not even sure the players want to come back, and now it's like, well, we now that we're getting tests, maybe we should actually do something about this. And so, mm. you know, it, it's it's exciting. I think it's good, and I have no clue how it's going to work, but it's still, you know, it's it's good because I think I was being the pessimist last week, and so, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah, we swapped places last week. I'm usually the pessimist, and you're, you're the optimist. Yeah. And, and instead, uh, we, we went the other way around last week. Uh, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer had a really good article uh, late last week <clears throat> about uh, the potential for, like, here's, like, this, some, some uh, potential solutions ranging from everybody gets together and plays games uh, in, like, a bubble system to we just go back to normal, which obviously is not really what's going to happen, but, but some version of normal all the way to uh, not playing games and stuff. Um, and I thought that was pretty good. That's worth, that's worth checking out if you, if you haven't seen that piece yet on the ringer. Um, I, I mean, look, my, my feeling this whole time has been, there's too much money on the table to not get back and play. And there's too much competitiveness to not, it's not all money. Like, yes, absolutely. Money is a huge factor to it, but, uh, basketball players want to play. And mm-hmm. so I think that transcends, I think that goes over to a lot of sports. I'm not sure it goes to every sport. Um, and I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean that as derisively of, of whatever baseball players or, or to overgeneralize or anything like that. But I think basketball players, especially, I don't think it's just because I love the sport. Tobin, I don't think it's because I'm biased. I think there is a, a real passion element that goes into basketball 
that now I sound like I'm insulting other sports. I'm not trying to do that. I, I think basketball players want to play basketball and they just want to get out there and go. Yeah. And so I felt like this was going to happen, but I just felt like there's so obviously there's so many things that have to be factored in. You just never know what's going to happen and the optics and how things look and blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, we're, I think we're, we're, we're headed that direction. The big thing today was Woj was, was talking about how the, the uh, players union, was supposed to, and the players union reps were talking to their their players and uh, their teammates and stuff and asking them, "Do you want to play? Do you want to not play?" They then kind of came out and said, "No, we're not doing that. That's not that's not how it's going." But however they did it, whether it was a yes or no text, which was the rumor, or uh, something more, you know, with a little more uh, uh, substance to it, um, <laughs> it does seem like they got to a place where Shams is now reporting and saying uh, that. Uh, the NBA PA, the MBPA has sent a memo to agents stating since is players and NBA both want to finish the 2019, 2020 season and inform reps of the players listed below serving on a new committee, working with the league on potential plans. So we're heading that direction. I think still the most likely at least to start this whole thing out is the, the bubble, the ecosystem thing in Orlando. Do you, or either in Orlando or Orlando and Las Vegas, do you feel like that's, accurate or yeah. you feel like we're going to go to practice facilities or what? I feel like that's the only way you can really do it is the bubble. Um, do you think that Adam Silver sent out like handwritten notes to people and said like, do you like me? <laughs> Circle yes or no. Like that's what I, when I read that, I was like, that sounds like a like a note that Adam Silver passed in class to like Chris Paul. Like, do you like me? I hope so. Circle yeah. yes or no. <laughs> I hope so. That'd be great. Um, I don't. I don't think that you can do it any other way at this point without getting a total PR nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. And it also just makes the most sense in the in this fact of, you know, we need to get a lot of games done in a short amount of time, you know, if we're going to try to keep our timeline right. the same. And you eliminate travel that way, you know, you could have back-to-backs and it wouldn't be the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, like it would be if someone was going from, even from Dallas mm-hmm. to Houston, you mm-hmm. know. And so I think that, I, I think you're running the risk of like what, what I'm fearful of with these bubble scenarios is that they're going to try to cram too many games in, in a too short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see some like year long injuries happen sure. after like we've had a lot of rest and all this stuff. And then on top of the fact that, you know, we're, we're going to be trying to cram games in because like I, they haven't talked about this, but I'm also wondering, are they going to make teams play twice in one day, you know, and stuff like that too. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be twice in one day, but I do think you're going to see some, three games in four nights type scenarios or four games in five nights, that kind of thing. And you know, um, that the second that like LeBron goes down with an ACL tear or something that yeah. where they're immediately, right. they're going to be like, well, this is because the NBA rushed the, rushed mm-hmm. it back. And so mm-hmm. right. it's still, there's still a lot of, a lot of scary things that could happen. You know? Yeah. No, I totally agree. My, my, I think at this point, my expectation is we're going to get an announcement of a date by w- at which uh, players can return to facilities and start practicing again. <laughs> Um, and then for training camp, and then we're going to say three to four weeks out, we're going to start playing games. And then I expect it's going to start at an ecosystem type thing where either, either Orlando or Las Vegas or both of them. And then with the hope that you'll be able to return to your home gym at some point, whether that's your home gym, like the AAC is the Mavs home gym or whether that's practice facilities or, or, you know, whatever, a college in the, in the city or so, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the, the logistics of that is, but I think they would like to get to, uh, some, you know, some away game or some, some travel 
just to hold up the integrity of the of the the system, I guess if you can. Mm-hmm. You certainly can't do that right out the gate, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, in Arizona, just said that they're going to open up uh, professional sports beginning on uh, May fifteenth. So maybe the baseball thing starts there, but um, I mean, look, we're turning that direction. And and again, I just want to, I feel like we have to give the disclaimer every week. I don't know what, what's right, what's wrong. All we are doing is is talking about and speculating on the concept of coming back, whether that's the right or wrong move is, is really uh, not our call. <laughs> we're not that smart. So, yeah. And now the conversation has kind of turned to, okay, if they come back and they play regular season games, what motivates the teams like the Warriors to even put a team out there? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so like that now that's the scuttlebutt that's starting right. to make the the rounds, and that's I hadn't even really thought about that until somebody on the radio or some I read somewhere some saw something about how Steve Kerr basically said we don't need to come back. You know, yeah, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of, of not even out of the realm. I I think it's there's a pretty decent chance that they just come back with with 16 playoff teams, and yeah. or maybe. Uh, maybe twenty teams. You know, if the the the, uh, See, the Pelicans and, and the Grizzlies yeah. fighting for that last spot and, and things like that. I think this is the perfect time to roll out that seven through ten. I do too. Thing I do, that I they totally talked do about. As well, yeah, and, and, and or at least that. like here's the, the four teams that are competing for the eighth seed. Something like yeah. that. Um, That's what I mean. Yeah, that that whole pr- that proposal that came out in the middle of the season we talked about, where it was like the seventh seed and the tenth seed play each other, and the eighth mm-hmm. seed and the ninth seed play each other. Right. It's like a little mini. Four four game tournament, like do that yeah. and just let that be because like that's a great way to test that market too. Of is this going to be fun or not? You know? I totally so, agree. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it would be difficult. I say this with a little bias because our team is currently sitting in seventh place. Um, sure, and they are <laughs> seven games up on the eighth seed. So I would. I, it's very difficult for me to say that I'm, I don't have some bias on this. I think given that we didn't know that, that this was going to be what we were going to do coming in the season, it might be better to only have a competition for the eighth seed, not the seventh and eighth, you know, something like that. But, sure. but to be honest, it's tough because the, the, the East, I mean, the eighth seed in the East right now, it's been so long since I've looked at this. Do you know what the, the record for the seventh and eighth seeds are in the East right now? I know they're under 500, but I don't know yeah. what they are. Yeah, Brooklyn is the seventh seed, and they're, they're <clears throat> 30 and 34, and Orlando is the eighth seed. They're 30 and 35. Gosh. And the ninth seed is Washington at 24. Oh, so man. That's kind of tough. It really is the East. I mean, the West... The West isn't really isn't that much better because Memphis is thirty two and thirty three and they're holding on to that eight seed. But but New Orleans especially I think was coming on pretty strong. Sacramento was playing really well before the break. Portland was kind of waiting for for Damian to get back. So I don't know. I it's it's tough to look at that that uh, those seeds and say yeah we need to give Portland a chance to get into the playoffs with their garbage record you know or or New Orleans yeah. or, or whatever. But. I don't know. I think there's a, there's a little bit of, I mean, Kerr's right in that there's nothing for them really to play for um, other than the money that you're going to get from, from uh, being, you know, having TV games and stuff. And that's yeah. less money that you have to refund back to your regional sports networks or ESPN or whatever. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes into that. But I totally get the idea that what's the point of Golden State or Atlanta or Charlotte or one of these teams coming and playing 
five or ten games and then just going right back to where they were, you know. It's, yeah. I, I, I totally understand that. But I do think you your your teams would benefit your playoff teams would benefit from some warm up games to get ready sure. for for uh, actually playing you know quote unquote, meaningful basketball with the playoffs and everything. So, yeah. So there's that as well. And I do wonder again, I like I've said, I think basketball players really want to play basketball. And I I do wonder how many of them are are chomping at the bit just to get back out there and, and, and get some run. So, mm-hmm. so we'll see. Um, hope, hope maybe in the next week or two, we'll have a little bit more, uh, some idea of what, what's headed our direction. I know every league around the world is watching the Bundesliga this weekend, the German soccer league. That's the first major professional sports league. That's going to start playing again. Um, I've already set my, my calendar to get up and make sure I'm able to watch the, the games cause it's, it's live sports and, and I love watching soccer. So, so that'll be fun. But EPL I think is, is working on a similar, I read a big article today about their, their idea of a bubble system and the, the pushback they're getting on that and stuff. And then baseball, Baseball seems pretty content on all parties to just burn their sport down, so that's fun. They um, they have been saying for like a week that they have a plan and they haven't released it yet, you know. So they're waiting. They're waiting for the NBA. It feels yes. like them and the NBA are playing chicken right now, and so right. I tell you what, man. I I've harped on it before. I don't want to get too too on it, but but boy, you talk about the the differences between two leagues um, and the the leadership therein I, I just it is rob manford just i goodness i don't think he understands things I, I i've always said i don't think he's he's the brightest dude i don't think he really likes his sport which is tough when you're the commissioner of a sport and the players have absolutely it's not even that they have no respect for him which they don't it's that they don't trust him at all and so then you add that you have baseball players who you know i think you could make a good case that that professional baseball players are a bit delusional on the realities of their sport. And so both sides are really going at each other pretty hard. And you kind of look, look at it and say, guys, y'all, y'all really are not that much better off than, than the NHL or MLS or one of these sports. Like you need to get back out there and play. You need to stop doing this publicly uh, at least, you know? Yeah. Not great. Totally. Not great. All right. Well, hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity on this soon, but let's, let's get into the last dance. We're talking, Episode seven and eight of uh, ESPN's The Last Dance about the last Bulls season of Michael Jordan. Uh, anyone who's listened to the show, I think this is the only thing we've talked about pretty much for the last uh, few weeks, and I'm okay with that. I did. I want to start here. I started to see this week more grumbling from the basketball intelligentsia uh, of NBA Twitter talking about uh we already know all this stuff and why are they wasting our time with some of this information and blah 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 blah. and i would kindly like to ask those people to shut up forever like i just (laughs) so i got so grumpy about uh about that this week because it's like this is the it's not just that this is the only thing that we have sports wise it's also that it's incredibly well put together it's fun to watch these to to watch these episodes to be reminded of this era of basketball, of the greatness of this player, whether you think he's the greatest or the second greatest or the third or whatever, it's been phenomenal. And we do, we're, we've started to do the thing that we do with everything because the internet of, well, actually it's not that great. And I'm so tired of it. I've got so grumpy about this on, on Sunday. 
Um, and the only reason I didn't text you griping about it is because I knew you were you were 45 minutes behind, and I just wanted to let you watch the show. <laughs> I was so angry about this. Well, and you know, and honestly, my the reason I was 45 minutes f- behind is because the first week the show, the episodes came out, my wife was like, "Oh, I'll sit here, sit down and watch this," and she ended up watching the whole thing, and then she got hooked because mm-hmm. it's amazing. And so I had to wait for her to stop obsessively, you know, putting things up and stuff like that. But anyway, <laughs> um, but she even made the point, and we've talked about this uh, probably, I think even on here too, is that she's like, I don't understand why he was so loved, but everyone was trying to kill him mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was just trying to bring him down. And I told her, I was like, that is 100% what we do to every single sports hero mm-hmm. we have. Yep. And we're in now we're doing it even more of, okay, he was great, but that era, blah, 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 this. And it's like, that era was great. And if you don't, if you say otherwise, then you just don't either don't remember or you're just being, you're just being, you mm-hmm. know, honorary for no reason. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I mean, like my wife who doesn't watch any basketball outside of what I watch even recognize that, which is just, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So this first episode, episode <laughs> seven, it, it delved into, um, the death of, of MJ's father, which was rough. Um, I wrote down in my notes that this episode is going to wreck me. And you can just tell right early in the episode, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be, this is going to be tough. And it dealt with his foray into baseball and uh, the, the beginning, at least a little bit of the bulls without him, without Michael Jordan. A um, lot of great quotes in this one. Some of them that I can't, I can't repeat. Um, how did you think they, let's, I don't know where to, where to totally start there. For one thing, right off the bat, Craig Sager just comes at, at which Jerry was Krause. amazing. <laughs> oh like, man, he came I with wish the that heat, he was man. still alive, oh, yeah. just so we could all tell him how much we love yeah. him for that. Yeah. Um, and then I, I I thought Hannah Storm saying that he looked like the Michael of of '93 um, at the end of of that uh, that '98 run, which I thought was very telling and, and accurate. Um, and then we, you know, then we jump back and he starts talking about his dad. He says he was the voice of reason that always drove and challenged me. Um, and we get into this whole thing. Now, I don't remember a lot of this. Do you, I guess is let's start there. Do you remember the, the, Mike, the stuff about his dad and his death? I remember, uh, let me clarify. I, I remember that he died and I remember the, the sort of the investigation that came afterwards I don't remember the lead up to that, and I don't remember that he'd been missing for three weeks before they found him and all of this stuff. I do remember that he was missing, and I do remember that he was found, because I remember thinking to myself, what in the world happened? And I actually Mm. remember, too, and that was, let's see, that was in, what, 93, you said? So I was about 10 years old, 19 years old, and I remember people saying stuff like, you know, well, I I wonder if his gambling debts had anything to do with it. And I remember as a nine year old thinking that's mm. really weird. Like, I mean, I actually do remember hearing that, mm. at, like on reports and stuff like that. And then, you know, and then as I got older, I started hearing all the the stern rumors and stuff that they touched on as well. Um, mm. And it's just that was whenever my wife made that point of why are we trying to make this guy hate us? You know, I was just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I knew the answer to that question because. It was a hundred percent what it was, you know. Yeah. Because you know, it's just I, so I, I remember more of that than I than I probably should. I'm not really sure why I do, to be honest with you. Mm. But yes, I do. And then you know that was the whole reason why, like I remember as a kid, like thinking, why is he going to play baseball? And that was the thing that was pumped the most was, oh, it's because his dad wanted to play baseball, and so right. that's why all that stuff made sense, you know. And so it's just mm-hmm. such a weird. 
Like, I, I can't. I, I was trying to think the other night if there was anybody else like that we that we watch right now that, barring the tragedy, because no one wants to wish that on anybody. But like, was, is there anybody else that would just walk away at the height of their game and then go do something else like this? Like, because like even LeBron had touched on like he could play football, and it's like he probably could play football, but he wouldn't leave mm-hmm. basketball to do this. And I just don't. I don't know if there's anybody else that that has that. I mean, the closest thing we have to right now is like you know Darren Collison walked away in the quote unquote right. prime. And then he already tried to come back too, you know? And so right. yeah. I just, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That's uh, probably, but he, and he's back. And then you get into like the Patrick Tillman thing with yeah. the army. That's a, that's a different, yeah. that's a little bit different thing, but I totally, yes, I I'm with you. It's a, it's, it'd be, it's going to be something that, I mean, you have a fifth grader. It'd be really difficult to explain that right now to, to him. If he's watching this, if he's getting obsessed with Michael Jordan, like what a weird gap that left in our lives. I don't know. I don't know that it can be quantified if you weren't there, if you weren't experiencing it because it was a huge thing and it came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I Which remember it the, didn't really like, that was the thing that I, I think has kind of stuck with me the most is that there was a lot of people anticipating this, you know, on mm-hmm. the, maybe not even just on the inside. Like, I think that's kind of what surprised me too, is that there are more people that knew about this than I realized mm-hmm. because I, I, you're right. As a fan and as a follower and as a kid, it definitely came out of nowhere. But it apparently mm-hmm. did not come out of nowhere, at least from yeah, their perspective. Yeah, totally. I, I, I'd be curious to know what the what the average fan who was an adult during this time, uh, what they knew. Yeah. Before the before this happened, I know like Zach Lowe. I listened to his show today. And I don't know that he was an adult adult, but he's he's I don't know whatever, eight, 10 years older than us. So he has a more, you know, and, and up more, and he, he had no idea until the day after it happened. Uh, the whole thing with the baseball game and him throwing out the first pitch and then, and then basically like, all right, cool. I'm out and I'm going to retire. Um, and the fact that, okay, no, sorry, interrupting the yeah, fact yeah. that it broke at the stadium without Twitter, without the internet and people, Isn't and people still yeah. found out and we're still freaking out in the middle of that game. Cause like, if that happens today, like everyone in that stadium is going to know within five minutes. Mm-hmm. But the fact that sure. everyone in that stadium knew there were no smartphones, there was no internet, there was no anything like that. And Pat O'Brien is the only person on TV talking about it. Like how did that get around the stadium as well as mm-hmm. it did? Like that's, that's sure. crazy. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a really, that was well done in the documentary. Like they, they pieced that together really well, the way that that, that built. And I, I'm the same way as you. I was like, what, what, what? Um, that's a really cool, cool way to show that. Then you get to that press conference. Um, what a zoo that was, dude! And and the and the the crazy maybe the craziest thing about that is how it's not just all the news people that came out for that. Like it wasn't just sports people; it was you know actual regular journalists and reporters and regular mm-hmm. and news people and stuff. But how because that came so out of nowhere or out of left field for most people, it 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 you look at the people there and they all look nervous Mm -hmm. like it's just such a weird time and then even michael who i think always seemed i mean that's part of his coolness is that he he never seemed he always he gets intense he gets angry but you 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 almost never see him look nervous or or anything like that he looked frazzled i mean he said all the right things and he had the smile and all this sort of stuff but to me as 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 a as all of us are students of Michael Jordan, because we just grew up watching him. He looked, he looked frazzled during Mm -hmm. that press conference. 
and that's odd. In, <laughs> I odd texted you at one that. point and said Stern is there, and like that was weird. Mm-hmm. That was really weird to me. But then at the same time, it's not weird because like he's the ambassador of your game, and so right. Like I, I would love to see like if LeBron announced today he's going to retire, like would Silver be at that press conference? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I would think he would, but but you're right. I it's not he probably a, it's not a hundred percent, and he probably wouldn't be on the table with, with him. He'd probably be like mm-hmm. in the crowd yeah. or something. I agree. You know, I so agree. yeah, that was yeah. definitely different. Right, right. But you have, I mean, those two people they're intertwined. Whether, I mean, Stern especially later in his career became kind of a beatdown, but um, you know, the, both of those as people who love basketball and love the NBA, that's. Those two are intertwined, and they're they're a huge part of the reason why we are able to to do this and do this show and watch this sport the way that we do. Well, it also kind of explains why people were putting pieces together that he might have been forcing him out, you know. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. that's that's such a weird, which is such a dumb. I that makes no business (sighs) sense. If you're David Stern and you're saying I'm going to take away the cash cow that makes my Mm -hmm. league money every year. Like right. you, you, the worst thing you do is you sweep it under the rug. If there actually mm-hmm. is something you like, right. if you're going to make him retire and then not let him say why you're retiring, then just sweep the thing under the rug and let him keep playing. Like that, that's what, that's what right. never made sense to me about that whole theory. No, it's, it's, it, to me, it's an asinine theory. I, you know, I heard Sim, it wasn't just Simmons. There were multiple people this week or last couple of weeks that have said, I think it's possible that he would, that Stern, was going to suspend him for, you know, whatever, five games, 15 games, something like that. And that he was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. But the, the idea that he, that he sent Michael into, you know, into suspended Michael, <clears throat> sent him off into retirement because of his gambling is, is asinine. I, and it's almost don't even want to say anything else about it. Cause I just, it's such a stupid theory. And then to tie that to his father's death and, uh, is, is exploitative at, best yeah. and and at worst just just it's the worst kind of media for sure yeah yeah it was amazing to me though this is something i i fully didn't i didn't think i understood i i guess i knew that that was out there that that was a thought that some people had regarding this whole thing but it has always to this point felt like a much more of a 10 years later we're kind of throwing out these these ridiculous accusations or or conspiracy theories and, or, and or whatever. No, it was not. Yeah. <laughs> it was on the paper exactly. the next day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um it's it's gross. Sick. Um not 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 a huge fan of that. So then we get into the baseball stuff. Um what do you remember about Michael playing playing baseball I, for the Birmingham Bears? I remember he was terrible. Like and mm-hmm. this is where I kind of I kind of push back a little bit on on some of the stuff they were they were doing. Like there is zero chance he would have made the majors. Like the the fact that they were all like, "Oh, he would have made it." And like, no, he wouldn't, Terry Francona. Like the dude, <laughs> the dude barely hit two hundred, and he couldn't he couldn't hit fifty home runs, you know. And so, like, if he would have made the majors, it would have hundred percent been like a T, a Tebow um, publicity stunt, you know. And him him and Reinsdorf both saying that, I was just like, "You're full of you're full of garbage." Like, there's no way, you know. And so I I remember. You know, the jokes of he can't hit the curveball. He's the, you know, he's the real life Pedro Serrano, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, it's just, I, I, I remember like I was so excited about it though. And Same. 
I had his baseball cards. Like I, I ended up finding them, you know, when I was younger and I still have them somewhere. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I was older and I go through cards and stuff like that, like those were ones I'm like, I'm not getting rid of that. Like I know that it, I sure. will never sell them. They don't, I don't care about their value, but I'm not getting rid of my Michael Jordan baseball card because it's just such a weird thing. And like my son who's 11 now is actually collecting cards. And I, mm-hmm. he showed that, or I showed him that and he was like, why is there a baseball card? And I was like, well, let me tell you, son, this is a weird time. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's such a cool thing. I don't remember the whole, uh, union thing. I don't remember him not crossing the picket lines. Sure. That was news to me, which was kind of cool in a way. Cause like if anything, that was the perfect chance for him to play in the majors and he, and yeah. he didn't take it. So that, that said a lot about his character that a lot of people don't give him credit for, you know, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of cool too. Yeah. I thought the, I'm going to take a slightly, I'm going to go the me, the medium route between, between you and, and Francona and some of the rest. I think in my brain, I was so pumped about this when I was a kid. I was like, of course he's going to go to play baseball and just dominate baseball. He's the best athlete I've ever seen in my entire life. There's no reason why he couldn't do this. And then, you know, as an, you know, as an adult, I'm like, actually there's a lot of reasons why he was potentially not going to be able to do this. Um, I do think it's a little bit revisionist history of like, he was going to do it. It's, it was going to happen the way that it's stated by a few of these people. Um, but he was the two things that are in, well, three things that are in fa- his favor is he was an incredible athlete, obviously. Um, Number two, he had that in the insane work ethic. Sure. I, I fully believe that the 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 thought that he that was expressed that he's like he just is working and working and working and working constantly. And I mean that's Michael Jordan, so I, I believe that. And I was listening to a pod today uh, where the, the the guy said he after the season was over he went to the uh, he went to the fall league in Arizona, which at the time I think was expressed as like it was it was somewhere between double A AA and triple A in terms of competition. And he hit two fifty one in, uh, in Arizona that fall. And so the idea that like, I'm not saying he would have been a great major league baseball player by any means. I, I do think there's, there's some, some serious chance that if there's a regular baseball season, that he's a call up in, in September or something of that next year. If, if he stayed, stayed with sure. Him. So, I mean, you can't um, argue with his work ethic and then clearly as we're seeing, you know, on these videos, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you, you know, if you were to bet on it, you mean, sure. That, that's a, that's not the worst bet to take. <laughs> so yeah, totally, totally. Um, yeah, the, 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 uh, the union stuff I, I didn't know. And also freaking sports illustrated that <laughs> what's stupid. Yeah. That's, that, that seems that the overlying theme of all this stuff is, Hey, dumb dumbs, maybe not make him mad. Like, cause he, he mm-hmm. clearly holds grudges and he clearly uses them to m- make himself even more awesome, you know? And so like, cause he, so it's basically sports illustrated basically did what BG Armstrong did with the, with the Hornets. You know? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. And also it, I feel like I'm just bagging on baseball. It's not really what I'm here to do, but the most baseball sports writer thing ever be like, Oh, he's insulting the game and yeah. he's ruining the legacy of the How sports. How about just be glad your sports garbage. being talked about dummies. Seriously. Gosh. Shut up. Oh, baseball people and their legacy. It's so obnoxious. Um, can't stand. I've really alienated all three baseball listeners. Today. Okay. They don't have a sport anymore anyway. So <laughs> it is, what it is great. By the way, great music cue on fantastic voyage. All in on that. Yeah. Um, somebody deserves a raise once again. 
Uh, I missed this earlier in my notes, and I want to get into it. It jumps forward, and, and this the bulk of this episode was forward, and, it, and we need to talk about this stuff, but him saying, you know, Bird and Magic never won three in a row, and making that his goal and stuff, I think is supremely Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. I think that's very much the, the the essence of Michael Jordan. Yeah, totally. And the fact that, you know, he can still hold it over everybody is, is mm-hmm. like, I, <laughs> this won't happen, but, or, it, you know, and, it, and it, it didn't happen. But if Kobe would have won six, like I would not have put it past Michael to, to come back <laughs> and like play with <laughs> Steph and the Warriors and be like, no, now I got seven, you know, like even, you know, I, I think he is that competitive yeah. and petty that he would have done that. <laughs> well, if not that, then at least you could say, Kind of what wasn't it? Kerr? No, it was Jim Clemens. I'm sorry, Jim Clemens said if if they had known that somebody was going to come around and break their record yeah. later, they would have won 76 yeah. games or whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's very much my. If, if Michael would have known what was coming, I think there's a pretty decent chance he's like, no, I'm going to win eight. I'm going to run ten in a row just despite these people. I mean, you can't. I obviously I'm exaggerating a little bit on that, but you cannot underestimate pettiness and spite and the way that that drove him. And if if you're watching this <laughs> this documentary and not coming away thinking like that dude would do anything to beat other people, I I don't know, I don't know what uh, I don't know what you're doing. Um, so then we flash forward and uh, and we get we get straight into to more Scott Burrell slander, um, where poor Scott Burrell is just getting dragged through the coals on this on this documentary. This whole thing was like Michael being worried that he's gonna look bad, and instead it's just. <laughs> It's just him being mean to Scott Burrell. I don't know, because Scott Burrell, <laughs> he's coming off pretty good off of this. Well, honestly. he's buddies with Mike, so you, you look good that with that, right? Like you, He's a coach somewhere. You know he's telling his kids when they get back from, from pandemic, like, you guys saw that Michael's my buddy, right? Like, he, you know, he really was, yeah. was, was uh, taking me under his wing a little bit. Well, and you can tell, too, that like Mike even said it um, at one point. He said, he's just such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And in like that, to me, the fact that he never cracked, I think that makes him awesome. Sure. Like, it's just like, cause like, there's so many times that I, I would have like snapped in that situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, totally. Pretty, pretty great. Totally. Oh man. <laughs> uh, the, the stuff that he, I can't repeat most of what he was yelling at, at Burrell. Maybe the lasting image of this whole episode <laughs> was, was, uh, was MJ guarding Burrell in the post and Burrell just doing like this nothing move and MJ just basically rolling his eyes at the camera. It's like a real John Krasinski moment, even though he didn't know the camera was there rolling him. I mean, and then him yelling if you or saying, if you can guard me, there's 290 jobs open for you. So, and then the, the real stuff that was great was him yelling at where's your mouth at now and finishing it off with some, some words we're not allowed to say. <laughs> that was an incredible segment and i think it's i don't know man i'm i i, I think you're with me on this and, and i don't know if it says bad things about us or uh or or bad th- i don't know but but i all of this does nothing to make me dislike jordan i think all of this is kind of awesome i'm i'm fully in on on mj just being a total not even a total jerk, but like just being that driven to win games at all costs. And yeah, uh, there's a price for that. And he talks about it in a second. And I'm going to give you the quote that in a second that I think is the, the fully is the essence of Michael Jordan. There's a price that comes with that. But none of it makes me look at him 
worse. I mean, maybe it makes me look at him worse as a as a, a husband and a father, but that's a different thing than as a, a competitor, if that makes sense. Yeah, and like this is where he lost Mrs. Hodges. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, she, she's like he's such a jerk. I was like he had mm-hmm. to be. So I, I'm with you. The thing that saves him, in my opinion, other than the quote you're about to read, because I already yeah. know what it is. I can tell. I already could, you know, say it. Is that all his teammates are coming back mm-hmm. and saying, "Yeah, he was a jerk, but this and but that mm-hmm. and but he's the greatest teammate." Because it's it. I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but there's been plenty of jerks in in NBA and other sports that like. We'll, we'll do this, but then they also are incredibly selfish, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, there it does come at a price. You're right. And there are some, you know, there are some, there's fallout from it. But how many people do you know that will, that are stoic about everything else, but choke up when they talk about mm-hmm. competition? You know, and that right there is your answer. Like, that's is why Jordan, there will never be another mm-hmm. Jordan. Or if there is, they, they have to be exactly like this or else it won't right. happen. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I historically will push back at the idea that you have to be a miserable jerk to be good at your job in sports. And I, to yes. me, it, one of the examples of that is Pop. I think Popovich, Popovich has a zest for life. And now whether that comes out all the time on the court, and I know he does the can't take her stuff with the, the sideline reporters and, and all this sort of thing. And I get it. Some of that's a bit. Um, and some of it's real. Yeah. But that dude loves life and he has hobbies and he does, he has things that he cares about and he cares about the people that, uh, that he's with. And, and you, you compare and contrast that to, you know, like, I don't know, Nick Saban or some of these guys that I think take it to an extreme where it's like they, all that dude has is football and that's the only thing he cares about. And he'll use anyone and anything that he can to, to, to get his means, uh, to, you know, to, to win. Um, and it's like two sides of the same coin, but there's a little bit of a difference there. And Michael, I, I'm totally with you. I think there's definitely a price to that, and there's things that come out that aren't great, or that, that doesn't translate to every walk of life. But I'm totally with you in that. I don't know that anybody talks about competition the way that he does, and, and that that's the thing that, that fueled him. And I guess I guess what I'm saying is if you, if you watch that and you – you don't like, and you, and that makes you think differently of Michael, or makes you dislike him, or something like that. I understand it, and yet, yeah. if you're me or you or Richard or most of the people in our lives, if that kind of makes you think, that's why he was so awesome, or that's part of why he was so awesome. At least I, I I'm okay with that too. I guess. Yeah, the thing about it is too is that you just don't, you can't really have it both ways, and. There, like I said, there are things that he did that are regrettable mm-hmm. necessarily, you know. But I just don't think there's any way that you get this without the amount of care that he puts into what he does. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I don't, I don't know how to articulate this the right no, way. No, I'm with it's you. Just, it, this is a difficult subject. It's a difficult thing to talk about because it feels hypocritical in some ways, and it feels like casting yourself as a jerk, you know, or, or like, yeah, I'm okay with, I'm okay with bad behavior if it gets the results, which is not really yeah. a philosophy that I live my life by. Um, and I'm, I, I definitely think there's, there's something wrong with that from a societal standpoint. I just, I guess I look at Mike and I see, yeah, he's kind of a jerk to people, 
but he's also kind of an incre- he he's a leader. He's an incredible teammate. This is a and this is a it gets the results that no one else was able to get. So I don't know. I feel hypocritical yeah. in that because no, most of the time with most people like this, I would I would take them to task. I wouldn't let that that stand. I would not admire them more. But Michael, there's a difference to me for whatever reason to what Michael does versus. I would love to see how this would go today. Like, sure. would we feel the same way? Because there's so many things that, like, that probably got lost a little bit in the cracks because there wasn't Twitter, there wasn't mm-hmm. media everywhere yeah. all the time. And so, like, I wonder if Michael Jordan was, if it was 1984 and 2020, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. if we would if we would feel the same. Because, like, you also are in a player empowerment era where some players aren't going to put up with this, and they're gonna they are going to go. Like, Pippen's not going to be quiet as much as he sure. was in in 2020 he's going to go to the media he's going to do things that like you know make jordan right. shine a little bit less and so i mean i'll tell you yeah, look, it's, we've, it's, we've kind of tried to i think purposely we've avoided the the jordan lebron thing because it's just it's it's a it's kind of a boring it's, conversation it's in a lot of ways yeah I, i'll tell you i much i will much prefer I much prefer the Michael Jordan approach of I will actually punch you in practice versus the LeBron James I'm going to subtweet you on Twitter later. I I there's a there's an honesty to I I literally will fight you if you don't get this right to versus uh you know subtweeting Kevin Love later that we need him to play on. And this is where this is where we have a difference in like and how we look at things, because like I agree with you, I would much rather have that as well on the basketball court. That said, I would much rather have LeBron the ambassador than I would Jordan, who doesn't. Who I don't. I don't. They can't say he didn't do anything because I'm sure he did stuff. But Jordan, Jordan didn't. Wouldn't you know? I'm not. I shouldn't say this. <laughs> I'm not saying he wouldn't do these things. But like LeBron makes an effort to make his community mm-hmm. better, and. I don't think that was as big of a deal in the nineties. So you can't really blame Jordan on that. But like, I think that that's one difference of, you know, that's why I think we, we want LeBron to not be subtweeting and not doing those things because otherwise he's, he's fantastic. He does so many great things. He's, you know, he's a great dad. You know, he shows himself Mm -hmm. as a father, which, you know, a lot of athletes of this caliber don't, you know, and even Jordan, like, I mean, like, you know, Jordan's kids have not been mentioned hardly at all Mm -hmm. in this thing, you know, and and there's been some questions about that as well, but you know it's just I don't think you can't really compare it because it's like Jordan Jordan wouldn't have these opportunities in the '90s, but at the same time, like I do like that side of LeBron. You're right, the basketball side, he he, you know, we need the more mm-hmm. Jordan stuff, and that's that's right. why it's hard to compare. I wish he could. I wish I could put a little bit of Kobe's <sighs> copycat of Jordan into LeBron, um, just sure. a, just a little bit. Um, because I think that would have maybe driven him a little bit of a different a different direction on the court. Because you're right, off the court, there's no comparing Michael and LeBron from a parenting standpoint, from uh, an actual contribution to to community standpoint, um, from you know from a, uh, getting involved uh, politically and such or or otherwise standpoint. And you're right too that that. If if Jordan, it's the same as like saying, well, the, you know, Jordan didn't shoot threes, so he wouldn't be that good in today's game, which is stupid. He would learn to shoot at threes because that's what you would do. Um, it's yeah. the same thing with the the community. There would be a some. There would be more community buy in from from Michael 
in today's game than there would be there was during this era just because yes. that's what's expected would he do so willing as willingly would he would he go out of his way to do those things the way that lebron seemingly does i don't i don't know i i, I think that's probably yeah. a, a no um but to finish out this episode so you talked about his teammates revere him despite the fact that that they were often the ones who were who were getting just completely railroaded by him in practice Bill Winnington said he was pushing us all to be better because he wanted to win. And guess what? It worked. Um, Will Perdue mm-hmm. has, Will mm-hmm. Perdue has clearly is not uh, buddies with Michael. I think some of these guys still are like on, on, you know, pretty decent terms with him. I don't get the sense that Will Perdue is one of those guys. Um, but he says, he said he was an a-hole and then he went on and on about that. And he says, but he was a great teammate. <laughs> And that's, yeah. that says so much about BJ Armstrong saying, was he a nice guy? And then just kind of like, nah, not really. Uh, but he was a great teammate. And, um, and Michael, I think it was Michael himself said, uh, what I would want people to say about me is that he never asked me to do anything that he didn't do himself. And I think mm-hmm. that's incredibly accurate. And which that is a great thing for any leader in everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to be a leader in your job yep. or in your school totally. or whatever, like that is exactly how you should lead. And people kind of lose sight. I think that's why people were. Let me back up. I think this is why we're not feeling like he's a normal, horrible person mm-hmm. because that is a good human quality yep. like you should be doing that and like did he do things the best way at all times no but again he was also the person that like, i think the perfect example of that was whenever they lost to the uh the pistons the first mm-hmm. year and then he was the first one in the gym to put on weight mm-hmm. you know and, and like you know usually you wouldn't see that from a necessarily from a uh from a superstar right. he, like i see but, but you know i just it's i i you know, Horace Grant, who he called out in in these episodes, is is still talking about him mm-hmm. like he was a great teammate, yeah. even though they clearly don't like each other. Mm. You know, and so like the Horace Grant stuff and Will Purdue stuff is this is the reason why I'm kind of landing there. Yeah. So no, I, I think that's I think it's a great point, um, Michael. This was the quote that that I I wrote down and I I started because I thought this was like this was Michael explaining Michael better than than I think I've ever heard. He says. Is a long quote, but he said, my mentality was to go out and win at any cost. If you don't want to live that regimented mentality, then you don't need to come alongside me because I'm going to ridicule you until you get to the same level as me. Um, and that's also good. Yeah, luck. totally, totally. <laughs> but, but again, you look at the history of these Bulls teams and that's absolutely what happened. Most time, nine times out of 10, he either, he figured out a way to get the most out of you or he figured out a way to get you gone. And that's, I mean, that, that's, that's what he did. Because it was, this is somebody who cannot abide by losing and will do everything he can to get to the top. And if, you, if you're not going to help him do that, then you're, you're, you're useless to him, essentially. Yeah. Is what it comes down to. And then yeah. you have that closing shot of, on, of the episode of, of him saying, you know, uh, winning comes at a price, break. And he's crying talking about competition. Which is just like, I don't think he's, like, even when he was talking about, and I don't mean this to be negative, like, even when he was talking about his mm-hmm. dad, he didn't, he didn't really crack. He got a little teary-eyed, sure. he didn't crack. He cracked when he was talking about competing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that says everything. Everything yeah. that we were just talking about, that is what, that is the epitome mm-hmm. of what Jordan totally, was. Totally agree. Um, I heard today, the, the director, Jason here, uh, he said that that 
moment happened 45 minutes into their first meeting. Oh their my first, gosh. Or at least their first recording, I should say. Uh, 45 minutes in. So, and then at that point he was like, so at that point I knew, I knew we've, we've, we've got something here, but he did say too, that that's when he, through the course of all of this, that's when Michael, uh, that's when he had the most emotional was talking about his family and talking about his philosophy of competition. Um, and, and you know, and you see that there pretty, mm-hmm. pretty staggeringly. Um, we move into the next and him just saying break and then, uh, pulling away is, is pretty tough. Move into episode eight. Um, and you get this, this episode was a little more back and forth than some of the others I thought, but you, then you also get a, get a good chunk of, of 98 and that, and also that 95, 96 finals, which was one of my favorite finals ever. Uh, we talked a lot about the, the 90, uh, 93 finals with the, with the Suns and how, what a great series that was. I'm not sure that this was a great series, but it was one that I personally, and I think you too, were were super invested in because the Bulls were coming off that 72 and 10 season. And then because the Sonics were just such a fun team and, and, and GP and Sean Camp and, and all of these guys um, were out there. And then the Bulls were up three, nothing and it felt inevitable. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't almost mm. like I, I had, I, I had did I did forget that they went up three. Mm-hmm. Same like that, that like I, I knew that they were dominant. I did not, I knew it went six games. I did not know they went up three Oh, and that mm-hmm. caught me off guard. Cause I was just like, Holy crap. Like, and I, it's like when they were, when they showed us three, I was like, this went six games. Like what happened? You know? And I just don't mm-hmm. remember that vividly, you know, what exactly right. happened that, yeah, there's just, I love the Gary Payton mm-hmm. back and forth on yeah. this one too. Same. It's so great. Same. That was that was a good stuff, and and I think Gary's one of the one of those guys that um, that Michael appreciated. That that Michael felt like this guy is a this this is a kindred soul. Um, this is a dude who who wants to compete that same way that I want to compete, and that goes all the way back to um, his rookie season. Uh, there's a there's famous stories about about uh, Gary Payton Gary Payton coming into a preseason game against the Bulls or maybe it was an early regular season I can't really remember I think it was preseason and putting up you know putting up some good some good numbers and talking crap to Michael and Michael waiting until the next game when they were in the regular season and just making a point of like we've seen him do many times through the course of the documentary but making a point to to pick on Gary Payton and show him like, Hey Rook, you're not going to come in here and talk crap to me when it matters. Um, <laughs> and, and then, but then tried to use that as a, a way to, uh, you know, to teach him and to, 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 uh, to take him under his wing a little bit, at least, at least in, in, in Michael's way of, of doing that. So, um, I thought it was funny him yeah. laughing about, about Gary's comments. <laughs> that was a, that was a funny moment, but it's also, inaccurate i mean that's a gary did a really good job against michael in that series yeah but this but you know what it is it's the fact that jordan is so competitive that he is not even going to give him Mm -hmm. the the respect back Mm because he knows i i'm not i can't Mm -hmm. do that because like in a way it kind of made me (laughs) mad because i was like just just recognize that you got you know that that someone kind of came up not to your level but at least kind of got you a little bit, but he can't do it. Like to this day, I mean, that's what twenty years, almost twenty years after the fact, he can't do it. He cannot, you know, admit that anybody even sniffed his level. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, it's just it's it's incredible. Yep. Yeah. So it was it was fun to watch. He wasn't great in that finals either, but but not great for him was 
23, 26, 22, you know, and that wasn't great for him. Um, so that's <laughs> also George Carl didn't look good in this either. And that's, that makes me happy mm-hmm. because George Carl sucks. And I'm, I'm so glad that I don't know why it took so long for everybody to, to, to decide that George Carl was a beating. Um, but it, it's definitely happened over the last five years and I couldn't be happier because he's, he's always been, even as a kid, I was like, that guy's a beating. I don't, this is not great. Not great. So I'm, I'm glad we're yeah. <laughs> glad we're getting there. Glad we're getting there on that. Um, I'm trying, I'm kind of jumping around on this episode cause we went pretty, pretty long on the last one. The bit with BJ Armstrong was funny. It's a little revisionist <laughs> history cause Michael wasn't super great in that series either. And, didn't like come out and put it on him the next game, really the way that they kind of made it seem like he did. But it is funny, kind of to your point. But also Stop talking trash to Michael BJ, Jordan. what are yeah. you doing? You played with this guy for five years, you idiot. Like, just go back to your bench and be like, okay, guys, shut up, shut yeah. up. <laughs> like, like, if anything, you should be coaching the other guys on your team. Hey, don't, sh- mm-hmm. don't say yeah, anything. Absolutely. Hey, Glenn Rice, <laughs> shut up. Don't, don't say anything to this dude. And instead... B.J. Armstrong is the one out there talking trash. B.J. Armstrong. <laughs> like, gosh. I loved I him too. as a yeah. kid. Yeah. But, like, come on, man. I was just yeah. like, what are you doing, yeah. man? <laughs> so what do you remember? That This was a, a, good, a good segment within the episode. What do you remember about I'm Back and about 45 and about him returning to the league after a year and a half off? I do remember um, the press, the, the press mm-hmm. release because I, I think I can't remember. When, what day was that? It was like. I'm trying to remember if I was in school or just hanging out with friends because sure. uh, it was like I'm sure it was a week. It was like March yeah. something, yeah. But I remember I remember coming home and my dad telling me, um, you know, because again, this is pre-internet, pre-cell right. phones, stuff like that. But um, whenever he started wearing 45, my first thought was I have to have one of those jerseys, mm-hmm. and so I got one. I got a 45 Michael Jordan jersey. I I did not remember that he changed back. Um, in the middle of the Eastern Conference yeah, yeah, yeah. semifinals. You got fined a ton um, for doing that, too. It was a really big figure. I didn't know that. In fact, I I remember, for some reason in my head, and I, and I knew this was an accurate recent, later on in life, but like when I was, I remember in my head, someone, or I had concocted this theory in my head that he couldn't wear 23 because they had already retired it. And remember, I remember thinking, that's stupid. He's Michael <laughs> Jordan. Give him his number. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't realize that the 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 meaning behind that until later. And I, then I just figured, you know, as in, you know, later on that they just gave that they just gave one, you know, went mm-hmm. back to it the mm-hmm. next season. I did not realize it was in the middle of a playoff yeah. series, which is hilarious, you right. know, and just so weird. Too. I remember why, I mean, same thing. I, I had a shirt that, that had, that said, I'm back. And like these, you know, across the whole shirt back like that. And then I also had a 45 Jersey, um, I mean, the hype on that was unbelievable, and there I'm not sure there was any greater currency in in uh, 1995 um, um, like middle school dollars than having a Michael Jordan 45 jersey. Like, bro, (laughs) yeah, that's that was the big time. That was probably the only time in my my life growing up like that that I was cool because I had a 45 jersey and and (laughs) most everybody else did not. It was a big deal. Um, I remember that game against the Pacers and just watching him and being like, Ooh, it's not great. This isn't going all that well. But then also just kind of having it in the back of your head. I remember being surprised that he didn't come through and win the game because I'd never seen Michael Jordan not come through and win an important game. before. Mm-hmm. It felt like, yeah. And then five games later, he's at MSG putting a double nickel on the Knicks and, <laughs> 
Gosh, man. You know, that was another thing. I did not realize that he put the du- double nickel on the 45. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that I forgot about that. Go back and look at his, his, uh, like game totals during, during that 18 game season. Um, and then you get, yeah, you, you mentioned the playoffs thing and that here 17 games that he, uh, that he switched jerseys because, and, and that, that was a, partly a result of, of Nick Anderson saying 45, eight, 23. <laughs> How, Terrified. It ended up not mattering. The Magic went to the finals and all this sort of stuff. How terrified were the Orlando Magic when he came out in 23? That came after after Nick Anderson I mean, ran his mouth. <laughs> easily. Like, they had to have been... They, like, they, Shaq had to have gone to the locker room and, and like, pounded yeah. on Nick Anderson. Yeah. Like, like, bro, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> like, this is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Stop picking <laughs> fights with Michael Jordan. Like this person who will literally make up things and hold grudges for years. You don't need to give him any ammunition. Um, you yeah. watch that series and yeah, he doesn't look right now. Look, I think they played up a little bit of the baseball body versus the basketball body and his legs are tired and they weren't there. But I, I definitely think there's something to, uh, he was rusty and there, his, his legs weren't all the way there yet. And, uh, and you know, you just have to, you, it took, uh, took, and the magic were a good team. We're a really good team that year too. I, people, because of the way that that season ended for the magic, especially with Nick Anderson, people forget Nick Anderson was a really good basketball player and, and had some, oh, some yeah. serious moments in the league, um, that weren't <clears throat> him missing four free throws in, in the end of, of, uh, of a game one in the finals. Well, and people also forget that. Shaq was on that mm-hmm. team you know like a lot of people like it's I mean like you had Shaq and you had Penny and you had Nick Anderson and, and Horace Grant at that point like that's a solid mm-hmm. team yeah you know that that wins a lot of games you know in, in just it's just it's another you know another casualty of playing in the Jordan mm-hmm. era you know like there's so many teams that you know would win titles in any sure. other era sure like, absolutely absolutely um I could watch probably four episodes on the Space Jam scrimmage if they want to find some more tape of that. 100%. Yes. That was definitely, you know, our friend Matt has been asking us through the course of this, like how much of that did you know, or how much, you know, how much was new to you from that? That was definitely new that they built the, uh, what they call it? The, the Jordan dome on the set of space jam so that he can bring in anybody and everybody to come play basketball with him and train. And the, the maniacal way that he went about, shooting the movie, preparing for the season, doing his workouts, building new muscles, all this sort of stuff, and just and never sleeping, apparently, was uh, is kind of peak Jordan stuff. And hearing Reggie talk about that kind of in awe of, like, I don't know how he did this, is it was awesome. It was an That's an awesome sequence in, the, in this, this doc that, you know, is like three minutes, but holy cow, I could do that for, for ages. Yeah, and I knew that they had like I I think I'd read this in a book or something like that that he had had people come play with him and that he had tried to get back in shape on the set. I did not realize that the extent of who came and then also um the Jordan Dome. I had that was mm-hmm. news to me too. Same. Yeah, definitely. Um but not not seen that before and it was it was interesting the way we were talking about this off the air with with our buddies of um like I, number one again, like what I would give to watch those scrimmages because that's just like that's that's basketball heaven, pick up basketball heaven anyway. Um, this really wasn't touched on, but I I went hundred percent guarantee this is part of the whole thing. It's not just I want to get my muscles back, I want to get my game back, I want to you know compete against the best while I'm in the midst of this this session. It was also 
I want these guys to come in and see this. I want them to see me working mm-hmm. and come back to next season knowing that they're getting the Michael Jordan that retired in 93, not the Michael Jordan that got knocked out of the playoffs by the Magic a couple of months ago. Yeah. And they're, I mean, the psychology yeah, and of it's, that is, and it, and it totally yeah. worked. 100% I mean, worked. they won not 72 games like, this year. I mean, and I, I'm fairly convinced, too, that if you, like, if Reggie Miller knew this, like, if Jordan would have said to him, I'm going to do this because I want to scout you, I guarantee you he still would have showed yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Like, which is even crazier in that respect. I mean, too. you <laughs> want to play with Michael. You, you, it's, you want to play with the best. And the, 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 the competition element of that, I mean, it really can't be can't be overstated um especially in this era i'm not doing good old days syndrome or anything like that but this is firmly the era of i love this guy and therefore i want to beat him um versus i love this guy let's play together join him i'm I'm not good old days syndroming that i'm just saying that's just a fact and there's some and there are some good things about the I love this guy. I want to play mm-hmm. with him. You know, like there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. I mean, there's definitely some differences and there's definitely some things I don't like about it, but like that, that has made it, has made this buddy NBA. There are some fun things about that, but this would have never happened in the nineties. You know, like Jordan clearly like only put players on his team that he knew that he mm-hmm. could control and he was not going to play with anybody that was going to be a yeah. threat to him. Totally. So. Totally. Um, we've got a nice shot of Sean Bradley shirtless. And that's scrimmage. So I loved that. That I don't know if it was Jordan or somebody else that said Sean Bradley was there. I was like, who cares if Sean Bradley was there? I literally said that out loud. I was like, oh, okay, Sean Bradley was there. I was like, just because he was the yeah. tall guy that they brought uh, in for Space Jam. Yeah. That's the only reason he was yeah. there. Man, that was incredible. <laughs> Patrick and Charles and Reggie Miller, and then all the way down to Sean Bradley. And I saw Derek Strong in there, and a couple, you know, a lot of faces that you would recognize from from the NBA during that era. Juwan Howard, yeah, Juwan Howard, that was big, cool, big part of it. Um, what do you think about the the uh, the exchange between him and Kerr? <laughs> you know, I had been thinking that when Kerr talks about him, it, I can't tell if he if he mm-hmm. likes him and still talks to him, or if they're like, you know, they hate mm-hmm. each other. And and I had already thought that before this episode. And when they talked about this and I was just like, oh, okay, here it is. Like, here's what we're going to find out. And I didn't realize that this this had happened. It just, it seems like a very, you know, I was very surprised that Jordan apologized Mm -hmm. first and foremost. (laughs) Like, and so I, you know, again, this goes back to, you know, Hey, yeah, he did some things that were sketchy, Mm -hmm. you know, but this is precisely why you have Phil Jackson be his coach. Because if any other coach was that coach, he would not have made Jordan, not made Jordan, but he wouldn't have gotten across to Jordan mm-hmm. that, hey, that wasn't mm-hmm. cool. You know, because like he, he, like even, you know, Jordan said, or Phil said when he walked in, Jordan immediately said, I know, right. I know. Like, like he right. knew it. And so like that just shows, again, that he is not this tyrant that we, we kind of want him to, to paint mm-hmm. him out to be in the practice, sure. you know. But he, he was a tyrant, but he also was you know, doing it for the totally. right reasons in a, in a weird way. No, I totally agree. And so I, I always get, I don't, I had, I didn't know the details of this altercation. I, I've known for a long time that there was, that there was a, an altercation between him and Kerr and that it resulted in punches and stuff. The same that we knew that for a long time, that, that same thing with Will Purdue and some other guys and stuff. I always feel like I don't really understand the, the clutching of pearls on, an altercation, a confrontation, something like that in, in a practice like this, because it's like, 
these dudes are the most competitive people on the planet. And if you're running practice well, you're going to have sessions that they get physical, they get they get, you know, intense and serious and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, so there's going to be times where something like this breaks out. I don't know. It's never it's never really bothered me. I mean, obviously you don't want something turning into like Bobby Portis and and uh well, who was the the guy that he punched a couple of years ago? I can't I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But uh, uh Miritich. It was a, yeah, there um, you go. Obviously, you don't want that, but like, this happens way more frequently than people, I guess, understand. And I just, for me, it's just always like, I, it's not just, a, not necessarily a, well, that just comes with the territory sort of thing. But I'm, I don't know. Like, it's never really bothered me when I hear those stories too much because I'm like, well, yeah, because they're, I mean, they're super competitive. That's gonna happen sometimes. And I love Kerr's accounting of it too. Of of him just saying, yeah, I punch him because I'm, I'm not going to take it anymore. And I got to show him that you may beat the crap out of me, but I'm not going to sit here and take that anymore. And I, I mean, I love that. I respect the heck as somebody who's five yeah, foot how eight. How great is that? Play, that yeah, totally, did that. totally. Yes. As a, as a five foot eight, 160 pound guy who, um, has had his share, his fair share of, of altercations during, during games and, and pickup games and things like that. I mean, the, he's absolutely right. There is a point at which you have to say, you have to put your foot down and say, no, I'm not going to let you pick on me like that. You can beat the crap out of me, but I'm not going to let you pick on me. And that they both walked away from each other, sort of simpatico at that point of, we're, okay, cool. We're, we respect each other. We're on the same page. I don't know. There's a way to look at that and say, that's just, that's such stupid, toxic ma- masculinity. But at the same time, I look at it and I say, that's what's ha- th- This is so heat of the moment, so much o- uber competitiveness that, yeah, it's going to boil over like that sometimes. It, that's true in any work environment, sure. too. And that's the thing that people need to realize is that this is a work environment mm-hmm. for them. And, you know, also they went on to win three titles yeah. together, and Kerr was a big part of those titles. Mm-hmm. And so if he would have not stood up for himself and backed sure. down, there's a, who's to say that he yeah. would have stayed there? He might have he might have mm-hmm. been gone. And sure. so, you know, I, it's, it's totally crazy, agree. but it's probably totally. necessary. So this ends, we get into the, the finals in 96 against the Sonics. We talked about that a little bit. The, the episode essentially ends on a shot that I don't think I've ever seen before. And I, when I saw it, number one, you know, I'm a, big, I'm a big emotional baby about stuff. So number one, I just started bawling my eyes out. But number two, I, I couldn't believe that, I, that I'd never seen that before, that it wasn't just as iconic as those other post-championship celebrations that are such a big part of the Michael legacy in our brains of him holding the trophies and crying and all that sort of stuff. But that dude laying on the ground, holding the basketball from that they just won the game, on Father's Day, sobbing, I mean wailing dude like 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 a like a three-year-old almost just crying that hard and and intensely that about broke me like i was i was that 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 moment was like was incredibly heavy and something that i just again i just could not believe i've never seen that before well and and also because we've seen the many shots of him celebrating right. finals where he is also crying and stuff. And like, cause I, I'm with you. I hadn't seen that one yet either. And I almost wonder like how that was like, maybe he had asked whoever took that shot to please don't, you know, mm-hmm. share that maybe. I don't know. But like, and then this documentary got a hold of it somehow, but I just, that one was maybe the most yeah. real I've ever seen him because 
you know, like we've seen the first one, whether it's his head against the, the Larry O'Brien, you know, mm-hmm. and his dad's in the shot. We've seen the ones where he's on the ground after he wins the third one, and he's definitely spent. This one, this one yeah. hurt oh, because gosh. he, like, it's it's not just the crying. It's the yes. way he's crying, and it was like he couldn't catch his breath, and he's just he just is, you know, going going through emotions that I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't lost one right. of my parents, you know, and I, don't, I can't imagine how hard that was because like that that stuff that they were they were setting up for this the whole time too with the whole he's never seen me went right. play, you know, without twenty three or you know his I, you know he hasn't seen me win a title you know or, or he you know he hasn't seen me not you know play mm-hmm. and like I haven't won a title without him there and so I mean it's so. So brutal. You know, the, one of the things that it stuck out to me was that was kind of like whenever Tiger won the U.S. Open on Father's Day after his, his sure. dad died. And it was just, you know, that's what it reminded me of because it's just, it seems like these, the stars kind of align for these mm-hmm. kind of things mm-hmm. every once in a while. And it's just, gosh, it's so, so raw. And so, like, again, these are the things that are making me actually like him more than I expected mm-hmm. to. I already loved him. I didn't think I would come out of this thing liking him less. I did think I would come out of this thing thinking, man, he really was a lot worse than mm-hmm. I remember, mm-hmm. but I'd still like him. You know, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm actually feeling the opposite. Same. I feel like I'm, I'm respecting him Same. even more. Yeah, that, that segment, I mean, again, that just, that broke me. I, I, I was a, that was a great closer for the episode, um, but it just, it really... I don't know. It, it really humanized the greatest competitor we've ever seen in our life. That there that there mm-hmm. were things that mattered to him outside of just competing and just basketball and stuff. Despite how much we talk, we talk about that, whether in reverential terms or or you know in negative terms or whatever. It's it's that that really hit home during that that segment. So mm-hmm. I just <laughs> yeah. There's a difference between crying and then. I mean, like snot flying everywhere, kind of wailing that was that was happening there. It was, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, man, what we got two episodes left, one more weekend of this, uh, and then I don't know what we'll do for this podcast. I don't know how we'll <laughs> fill the time. I think we I need know. a break after all this. This has been so emotionally. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, in a perfect world, that'll be the week that NBA decides yeah, we'll to come get back. An announcement so. at least something um, that'd be great. Yeah, so we'll know what to do uh, moving forward. But yeah, gosh, man, this has been incredible. I'm 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 here for it. If they want to announce, hey, by the way, we have eight more episodes. I'm I'm all in. Uh, it, this has been, this has just been a fantastic experience. So we get two more episodes. We'll get some catch up with the the uh, into the the jazz series, and then I don't know if it's going to touch on the Wizards thing or or any of that or, or not. Um, or if we're, we're going to really end this on the quote unquote last season, but but I'm excited to see what comes over the next two episodes. To me, I, I don't feel like it will, just in the sense of it seems like Jordan's got a little bit of hand mm-hmm, in some of sure. this stuff, and I don't think that they're going to want... And, and even from a director standpoint, like, why would you yeah. want to end on that No, note? that's true. Like, that's true. Know? Yeah. All right, we'll see what happens next week. Thanks for being here, listeners, and uh, and indulging us as we go through the, the last dance of these last couple of episodes. Uh, we'll be back next week, like like uh, like we said, talking more last dance, and we'll uh, we'll throw in a few more episodes. We've got some plans for how to fill the time post last dance, pre NBA returning, and uh, we'll maybe we'll, next week we'll try and let you know some of those things if you want to be try to follow along with us and and watch the same things we are watching or research the same things we're researching. Uh, if you enjoy what you heard, thank you number one for being here and listening. Number two, tell a friend. 
bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this show. We'd greatly appreciate that. And number three, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review. And in that review, tell us uh, the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. We like to read those out at the end of the show. Again, we'll be back next week talking the final two episodes of The Last Dance. And until then, stay hard, Ryan yeah, Rogers. Oh, my God.